Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Why are you the only man who wants to stay with me? Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Kale Smith. Joining me this week is David Weiser. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be on for the 250th extravaganza episode. Wait, it's 250? We're we're at 250 already? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. We made it to 250. Um, We did it. Thank you for, uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you. But yes, we are at 250. Um, We have a huge, huge show uh, for everyone. Um, And uh, it's a big show. Not a lot of, it's not going to be a grand, huge, like, you know, rotating hosts like we usually do in the past. But uh, nonetheless, it's a massive show. we're going to talk about everyone's favorite uh, Twitter punching bag. That's not Ezra Miller, not Will Smith, not uh, the Academy, not um, uh, who am I missing? Um, Anne, ha- oh, Anne Hathaway, but she's been a, I, I think they retired that punching bag. But we're going to talk about everyone's six favorite punching bags, Sam Levinson. Yay. <laughs> This is our special, so it just, um, David, do you want to talk about the kind of like why we're talking about Sam Levinson today? So he was a co-writer on uh, Deep Water, which was a yes. movie that was released on Hulu last week. It was a, one of the 20th Century Fox releases of oh, 20th Century Studio. Sorry, it's been uh, yep. Fox. I was going to correct you, but you did a good job. <laughs> the Fox has been axed. Um, anyway. <laughs> We are done with the fox, and now we're back to the century. Um, so <laughs> one of those holdover releases got dumped on Hulu, and uh, it was filmed during a time when Ben Affleck and Ande de Armas, Ande de Armas were still uh, in a relationship with one another, and now they're not, so there probably wasn't much press for this movie that I'm aware of. <laughs> they definitely didn't do any interviews together. So that would have been kind of interesting. Um, and so there was like a lot of curiosity around surrounding this. And it's just like kind of this erotic thriller. And you're like, it kind of like begs it to question whether we'll ever see a movie like this released in theaters again. If it's like, if this was intended for theatrical release and now it's going to streaming and Disney has kind of been doing that with a lot of the Fox stuff that they don't, intend on that they don't think has any hope for like the like I don't know franchise potential or awards potential seems like it's being relegated to streaming and this is one of those and so yeah it's fascinating right and and to kind of add to David's point 
um, it, it's more so that Disney is, I mean, they're basically just like, we have two streaming services we have to service. Well, technically three if you count ESPN Zone, but the two that need movies like the most or content the most are Hulu and Disney Plus. And of course, they're not going to put Deep Water on Disney Plus. Boy, that would be something. Um, uh, so they're going to give it to Hulu um, as a, you know, hey, Hulu, have, you know, a free movie. Um, which is fine. I mean, it, it, and you're right. It does kind of suck that it's, are we going to see it in theaters? I don't think it's not this budget. Maybe something on like a Jason Blum or A24 scale. Maybe a focus features. We also have to remember this was based on a novel. So, you know, so this was a, adapted from a best-selling script or best-selling novel. So yeah, it's, it, it's a sad thing to think about. Um, but also the movie is also kind of a mess too. That's the other problem. And that's not even the only movie we're going to talk about as we're also going to be talking about Euphoria. Yay. Ooh. Because um, we, my life is not stressful enough. So I have to watch a t- teenager, you know, go through life of trying to stay clean from her many addictions. So yay. No. But no, we are talking also about Euphoria, and then we'll talk about the Oscars. But first and foremost, uh, as David mentioned, we'll just slide right into Deep Water because that came out fairly recently. Um, David, what did you think of Deep Water? So, as I mentioned to you uh, before the podcast, this movie had major Death on the Nile energy. Uh-huh. It was chaotic um horny ridiculously very ridiculous at times but like uh it's well directed the performances are pretty good and like it's an entertaining movie to watch and so i enjoyed it overall it's definitely messy as you kind of alluded to um and it's got problems but uh it's really captivated my interest um Ana de Armas continues to be an amazing actress who's just like can do no wrong and (laughs) and then Ben Affleck's back on his kind of rebound streak of uh really solid performances um I mean pick following like the last duel and the way back um I haven't seen the tinder bar yet but I've heard he's good in that Mm -hmm. um so it's it's nice to see him kind of bouncing back from uh, recovering of uh, all of that. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And I would even like to add it, it add to what you just said. I mean, it's also it's not just chaotic. It's very soap opera esque. It's very. It feels like a Fifty Shades of Grey movie, but better, like, or more, <laughs> like, like if Fifty Shades of Grey wasn't so tame, if you will. Um, which I know that's saying a lot. I know that I just loaded that statement, but that's what I'm kind of going with here. It's a very erotic, very, you know, 
insane thriller and filled with even shittier characters but the performances are so good from Affleck and the Armas that you're kind of like like I believe these characters exist because the acting is so good and Affleck and the Armas actually have good chemistry like for for the movie they're in you know they're they actually have chemistry and but the movie like I mean the Armas is kind of a fuck like the, the the premise of this movie is kind of fucked up like mm-hmm. she goes around sleeps with a you know young man and then um and then Affleck kills said young man or scares him away and then and then you know knowing that her husband may or may not be a psychopathic murderer she decides to sleep with another young man again and the cycle just keeps repeating which sounds very familiar from another character or a couple from a certain show called euphoria about a psychotic man and then a crazy you know a crazy woman that doesn't exist in reality but just isn't a show oh wait uh, sorry i'm getting ahead of myself i'm getting ahead of myself she was fearless and crazier than him <laughs> she was his queen and god help anyone that disrespected his queen <laughs> good god i think sam levinson has a i think sam levinson has a is malcolm and marie the same way um it's more like Malcolm and Marie is like basically two hours of uh, John David Washington and Zendaya just screaming at each other and having. So it's argue, another like, toxic couple. Yeah, it's another toxic couple. Yes. I think I think Levinson had a really bad relationship. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Okay, so, but yeah, so Deepwater, it's, that's the premise of the movie, and it's this kind of repeating cycle of characters that, like, are upset at each other, but they can't ever admit that their relationship is toxic, so they take out their toxicity on other people, you know, you know, and that's kind of the premise of the movie, that's kind of the sexual thriller of it. And you're just waiting to see if any of these characters, like if Ben Affleck's character is going to get caught. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's the premise. Um, should we go into spoilers on this or should we allow more people to watch this? Because I don't know what the stats are for this movie. Like, I don't know if it's. I feel like watched. we've kind of gone into spoilers by describing the cycle. But so I, I don't mind going into spoilers. Right. But I mean, we've given our general thoughts on it. Let's go. Okay. So, okay. So, this movie uh, starts with Affleck. Or we don't, we the audience don't know for sure, but Affleck has murdered someone or presumably murdered already another boyfriend. Um, and that's. Uh, and that's kind of how we open the movie is this mystery of who killed this Mark, you know, Marin character or Mark, not Mark Marin, but like Mark somebody character. And Amada Armas is just like, I'm going to still, you know, you know, top my, you know, throw myself into another blonde boy 
you know, blonde surfer boy I invited to a party. Affleck is getting all upset at all the party. Everyone, all of his friends are like, dude, is she like having an affair? Is everything okay? And Affleck's like, yeah, I'm having the greatest life of my life right now. Like I'm living my best life. I am bicycling every day. I have this awesome daughter who can sing, draw, cook. Yeah. I mean, I have like this awesome daughter and then my wife just, you know, she just fucks around everybody. It's just amazing. Yeah. So that's how his attitude. (laughs) But there's not much of the plot. I can't really spoil the plot. I feel like, like, I mean, some character, like Jacob Elorati from Euphoria shows up at the piano guy he shows up and then that's it i don't do you have anything you want to talk about for deep water the greatest moment ever happens with tracy letts uh as he makes a mistake with autocorrect and he screams all right he says something like fucking autocorrect or goddamn it autocorrect okay we gotta set the scene up better hold on hold on before we get to that we have to set up so Ben Affleck has killed this like architect dude, right? Uh, Finn Wol- Wincocker, whatever his name is. Um, so he kills this guy, and but he's not like completely submerged in water. So he goes the next day to submerge him some more. <laughs> he, just some ro- he just put some rocks on him and just is like good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, y'all can't see it listeners but i'm like doing the poking motion uh like poke poke you know he pokes it down even further and then tracy lets just out of nowhere who in this movie is like a screenwriter in like his real his work profession he's a screenwriter he's like mank it's like if mank was stumbling upon you know charles dance's character and mank on a murder like that's how fu- that weird this movie is so Tracy Letts just shows up and he's like, oh shit, you have a dead body. I gotta go run to my car. <laughs> but he like stumbles and falls like 17 times. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a bad slasher movie moment. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, and then he almost like really gets away because Ben Affleck just has this like little bicycle. Yeah. But somehow Ben Affleck maneuvers through the woods to beat, I don't even know how this geography worked. Um, He somehow maneuvers his way to the other side of this road, you know, falls on the ground. Tracy Letts sees him. He turns into and doesn't stop or anything or corrects himself. He just, ah. And then, you know, f- flies into the ravine and but I guess he's, dies. As he's on the run, he's trying to send a text to his wife. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. There, There's a grammatical error and or something and autocorrect corrects it to something that's, I don't even remember what it was, um, but it's like not even remotely right. close. Yeah, it was like, I was right, but it changes it to something else. And um, so then he's like, he screams like, 
something like god damn it autocorrect or like something like that and then like the he falls into the ravine shortly afterwards and it's that is cinema it is cinema because you're just like oh yeah that's of course and no one ever reports on tracy Letts' disappearance his wife is like whatever you know or we don't know his wife is just like uh, I don't know. I don't know where his car is. Um, and because also we should point out earlier when Finn Wolf is whatever his name is, Finn is getting killed. Um, like literally, it's funny how he dies. He's just being thrown rocks. Oh my god, it's so funny. He, he just, just gets... falls over backwards and busts his head open. Yeah, that's literally. But like it's just how Ben Affleck was like, yeah, I'm just gonna kill you with rocks. <laughs> also, also some of the deaths in this movie, how Affleck kills people, it's like he should have not been able to get away with. Yeah, like, it makes no sense how he walked away from, <laughs> from these like without even like like he's like questioned as a suspect, but he's never really seriously considered one. Yeah, like, dude, you're the last... Everyone knows you were the last person to come in. And all of a sudden... Also, how did everyone forget that the piano teacher didn't leave yet? Mm. Or is it... How did they forget the piano teacher was still in the pool? Um, God, this is... Also, how is Arna de Armas not like... If she really is that hysterical, why is she not like, I'm gonna grab the kid, I'm gonna get the fuck out of New Orleans or wherever the hell they're at and no she just doesn't she's just like I'm gonna still invite people to dinner I'm gonna invite all of my affair partners to dinner yeah just for and then the ending is also crazy because she's trying to pack up and leave and then her her daughter is like no, I'm gonna and throws the luggage in the pool. <laughs> Their five year old daughter. Um, also, the daughter is really cute, like, she yeah. is incredible. Um, and so is Roger, the dog, you know, little Roger. He has to witness a murder. Poor Roger. I love how they just get a dog in the movie just for, for no purpose other than like we're gonna get a dog like it's yeah. not like instead of just starting the movie with him already having a dog and just like that being like this fact of existence just randomly in the middle of the movie uh totally unprompted they just go go adopt a dog and then they're <laughs> it's just like okay <laughs> and what's even weird is if this movie like if this movie wasn't like such a if this movie Here's the weird part. I actually kind of like, you know, how they are parents to their daughter. Like, they really do seem to be, especially Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Like, despite all the psycho, you know, psycho-ness of him, it's like, oh, you're like a really good dad. You take your daughter to school, walk her to, you know, her cafeteria, you know, make sure she has her uniform, makes her lunch. I mean... He is like that of the f- of the effing year over here. Yeah, like go Affleck. 
you know, I don't know if he would, I don't know if he does this now, but go Affleck or go Affleck's character that I don't remember your name. Um, anyway, so we should probably talk about the ending because I actually do, I, in a weird way, I do like the subtlety of the ending, even if it is like, oh, I guess we're just going to skip a whole act and go to the end. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the ending before I? I wish it would have ended like a beat earlier than it does. Mm. Um, Like I feel like that would have been like the right uh, balance of kind of like giving like a little bit of ambiguity to the moment, more so than like a kind of like defining it clearly, spelling it out. For me, I wished. I think you're right. If there was a, if you had to end this movie after the Tracy Letts kerfuffle, um, you would need to end it with her, the way you book it. Open the movie, open with you know her sitting on the stairs, just being like, oh, nothing, and then book end with because then she knows everything. Like the card has been played. She knows that she has proof. She has evidence that her husband's a murderer and now she's deciding i'm just gonna keep doing this this is my life now i'm gonna keep inviting young boys and and the ben affleck and then my husband's just gonna kill these young boys it's just gonna be a little you know kinky game we have you know and like that would be the more power i agree that's the more powerful ending but also i kind of would like the movie to have another act to where she turns the tables Mm -hmm. and then the movie ends but that's because clearly that's i think what the it looks like that's what the intent was like she was now going to turn the tables like you know she has lost her daughter to him because she don't want to go and leave her dad so now she has to turn the tables on him. That's what that's clearly I thought that's where it was gonna go, and then the movie ended, but I don't know. I I was actually okay with the movie ending because it was like midnight when I finished. So yeah, no. Um I'm trying to think, is there anything else to talk about with is there anything you want to talk about with um deep water um i thought it was kind of like hilarious when the little girl is um playing what's it the e-i-e-i-o song uh old mcdonald McDonald, yes yeah when she's playing that song like obnoxiously loud and anna de armas like goes crazy and starts screaming at her and she's like turn that off like it's just so funny because it's like that's what every parent it like internalizes and she just let it out <laughs> in front of the babysitter yeah oh oh my god the babysitter in this movie bless her heart she is like this family is insane because our because the armis's character like she comes in is just like unstripping and like i'm gonna make coffee because i'm drunk or whatever um and the babysitter is like getting paid and Affleck's like what are you doing like the babysitter's right here and she's like so what you Americans are so fucking oppressed 
<laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, wow, this is funny. Um, yeah, I thought Deepwater was a lot of fun. It's a little too serious to be like as goofy as Deep Death on the Nile. Like it takes itself a little too serious. Yeah. But I mean, for a movie on Hulu, I mean, I have like it's fine. Mm-hmm. I I do wonder what people would have. I wonder what the reaction would have been if it did get because that's because the problem with it being on Hulu compared to Death on the Nile is you don't see like people like taking clips off of or taking screen clips and then being like making it into memes or whatnot. There's no there's no like uh what WTF Twitter going what the fuck is Arna Armas just you know stripping in front of the babysitter. There's none of that. And that's kind of like the problem I have, or I don't know if it's a problem, but it's like, um, how, why, like, like, why did this movie kind of get forgotten? And then Death on the Nile just had like memes on end about the freaking champagne scene. <laughs> yeah. Also, this was hornier, so whatever. Um, is there anything to talk about for Deep Water? I think we've waded deep enough. euphoria uh let's get into let's kind of talk about the oscars real quick because i'm sure a lot to talk about but david um i kind of said a few things already on twitter so you go ahead um i thought it was cool that dune kind of cleaned up in the technical categories um like below the line it, it won six that was cool although it kind of made me miss it, it. I liked it, but at the same time, it made me kind of sad to see like certain films, like, I don't know, for example, Licorice Pizza went home with nothing. And like a lot uh, recently, uh, the academies kind of shared the spread the love and kind of get like everything's kind of gone home winning something, uh, at least of like the best picture nominees. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen this year. So that was kind of sad, but it was cool. At the same time, it was really cool to see Dune uh, do so well. Uh, Drive My Car won Best International Feature. That was awesome. Um, Jane Campion won Best Director. That was cool. Great. Um, there was the whole, like, I mean, yeah. And then, back, yeah, there's, there's a slap that everyone's talked about. I'm not going to belabor that too much. There's, You've heard enough. Everyone's mm-hmm. tired of it. We're tired of it. <laughs> so we're just going to move past it. Yeah, I Unless think you want to. Well, we could take the Daniel Radcliffe approach and just be like, 
Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. And also, I mean, I've I've made my peace with it. Like I, I mean, as we're recording, Will Smith resigned from the Academy. Um, so, and I mean, and also, there's we don't even need to talk about because this will still be an ongoing situation because the Academy themselves they're still figuring it out. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the I think our position will be we'll take the Daniel Radcliffe because everyone else has said enough, and I think every, and I think there are some really good think pieces about it. I think there are some strong reasons, um, you know, a lot of high emotions that uh, David and I don't have to get into, and don't probably have like and don't probably have the stance to or the ground to stand on to talk about those things so uh but i mean it's a slap it happened it's unfortunate that's that's all i that's all i really want to say about it yeah to me like the worst part of it is how that singular moment kind of defined this year's oscars and kind of overshadowed everything like that kind of sucked but then like Another, uh, neither of us watched the not, ceremony, by yeah, the way. Um, but it seemed yeah. to me like one of the um, big takeaways of the night was kind of like this kind of widespread disrespect towards a lot of the films nominated, even those that weren't, just movies in general almost by like kind of like the hosts, uh, especially like Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes with apparently making like a lot of like derogatory jokes towards. Um, certain films like Power of the Dog and The Last Duel, even though it wasn't even nominated. So I don't know why they were even talking about it. Like, even though The Last Duel definitely deserves to be talked about, but not in a derogatory manner <laughs> uh, at awards ceremony, you know? Uh, so that kind of uh, sucks that it's like this celebration of cinema, so to speak, this, the celebratory night of cinema kind of became the antithesis of that because of that and we're not even going to talk and we're going to bash the movie that's not even the longest movie on uh on the best picture list so it's not it's like an average length for a movie Mm -hmm. so yeah and that's the and that's one thing of it and then also i mean we can get into they didn't present all 23 episodes at three awards they yeah. re- did recaps of the like eight they decided not to do and it's a and to me that's a bummer because because um, i mean even like han zimmer like i don't think he showed up he just like was at like his work and he accepted the award there and gave a speech later on twitter uh but still it's just like why it's a show the biggest problem i have with the oscars as it is right now it feels like a show or a ceremony that's really like we don't even like the movies anymore we're just so sick of it we're here to just create drama because even the whole show like the bits and pieces i was able to get like on twitter and through youtube it felt like a reality show it felt like, you know, this reality show, like we're going to get cheap shots. We're going to do whatever it takes to create drama. So if the slap didn't happen, 
I guarantee, like, if the slap didn't happen, there would have been stuff to talk about because any publicity is publicity. And I feel like that's what the goal of the show was to create publicity rather than celebrate the award, celebrate these films, these 10 movies, and then all these other, you know, nominations for all these, from, for all these other movies that weren't nominated for Best Picture, if that makes sense. And I feel like that's, and I wish there was a way the Academy could just exit out of their contract for it. Because if ABC is so hell-bent on it being three hours or less, which this show didn't even, it went over three hours. It was still going on after 11 o'clock. That's the irony of the whole thing. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do, like, if you're going to do this, then... If the ABC is so adamant, then just I wish there was a way they could find a way to exit out of their contract and then just be like and then just shop around. Like I think it would be if they went to streaming, that would be a perfect home for it. Absolutely. Just be, you know, sell the rights to like Netflix or something or uh, Peacock or something. Um just so it's on just so like it's on a streamer because more people are streaming it or would stream it now more than ever because mm-hmm. we all have Roku, Roku channel or wrote or a smart TV, something like that. So, or YouTube TV. So I wish they could, but I'm, I think David, you alluded to earlier this week that uh, like in, in just in our conversations that they still have like a few more years left in their contract. Yeah. Oh well, but and and also one more thing. I it sucks that two years in a row we've had a controversy overshadow the entire show versus mm-hmm. the show versus the winners being the celebratory moment. Because last year we had the whole Chadwick Boseman debacle, uh, and then this year we have the whole you know the slap, if you will. All right. So with that, let's finally get to Euphoria. Hey, I'm Rue. I'm an addict. You've come a long way. Take your time. You're delicate. You're not delicate. Yes, you are. I've actually been really happy. You've been clean for like two weeks, right? Yes. Rue, come here. Oh my god. I've never met anyone like Jules. How'd you survive that old day? So my sister. Just got me thinking about how it affects the rest of their lives, you know? Living with the fear that at any moment, they could lose everything, especially the people that they love. I'm just reaching for something to make it all seem meaningful. David, you've been with this show longer. I'm going to let you take it away. Go for it. So this show is similar to Deep Water. <laughs> it's it's yeah. pretty well directed for the most part. And I think its weaknesses are definitely with its script at times. Um, but then there are some episodes that are like pretty poignant and deep. Um, so it can really, the show like 
the quality of it varies kind of drastically, but it always looks very nice. Like there's a lot of really nice cinematography on this uh, on this on the series. They show and film. The the acting is good for the most part across the board. Uh, I won't say like every single uh, actor is like amazing in this, like absolutely incredible, you know, but like no. Zendaya in particular, I think like is really, really uh, good in, in quite a few episodes of this show. Like she, she kind of probably gives like the best performance of her entire career in this show. Um, certainly, more than she's able to bring to Mary Jane and or MJ and Spider-Man. Well, here's the thing about Zendaya, now that we are turning the focus to a Zendaya-focused podcast, um, the thing about Zendaya is, I, other than this show, she really hasn't been given a role where she can just shine, where she can really, like, use her tool or expand her toolbox you know slash use what she has and then really grow as an actress because the problem with those spider-man movies is that um, until the third movie she really isn't a character you know in the spider-man movies and then dune is part one of a story and her character is just there to be introduced so she has a bigger part in part two and then greatest showman she's just eye candy i think i don't remember her character and then she's uh she's in space jam 2 for a minute like as the she voiced the bunny who's the bunny yeah lola lola bunny yeah but i mean still it's like not that much of a character so i mean she's just been given roles where it's just not much of a character and then her here with rue bennett um i mean she is the lead like this is her show through and through. Granted, I've not seen Malcolm and Marie. That's why I asked you about it. Um, but still, like it's this is where she like is like this is her canvas. This is her Emmy to win, her Golden Globe to win. This is where every this is like it's hers. This is her show. Everyone else is just everyone else is just here for it and i do love the show it's just i don't think everyone and i think everyone gives actually would argue everyone gives a great performance everyone's very well casted for their role it's their character that needs to be discussed like like um that's the only that's the thing i take away from euphoria it's like i don't think sam levinson is the best is always the best at writing women, uh, especially for the character of Maddie and the character of or Armas's character in Deepwater, where they're both characters that are stuck in these like cycles of their own, like they're they're stuck in their own cycles, much like Rue is, but it's in relationships or toxic relationships. And they can't seem to just like put it together that no, I just need to get clean and get out of it. Much like that's much like Rue is trying, much like Rue decides to do later in season one, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really 
the takeaway from the show is a we introduced the show I, I know it's been a while since you saw first the first season but the thing I took away from the first season is this is a show about characters that are just so traumatized by the events of watching their parents watch 9-11 happen or grow and watch what happened to America after 9-11 and how like it emotionally stunted most of them that then it caused them to feel this trauma that made them choose or not choose but fall into their own cycles of abuse their own cycles of addiction rather be with nate with his you know toxic masculinity with mckay with his you know cycle of toxic masculinity with um cassie with her tox you know her incess incessive need to be loved even if it in even if it, it makes her appear you know to be too promiscuous you know, or, you know, or for Kat, if it, you know, her exploring, need to explore her sexuality, you know, even if she goes way too extreme. Uh, so, like, there's so much of this show that's about the cycles and the addictions we create for ourselves, and then we judge the one person who has a serious addiction, even though all the, these other characters, like addic toxic addictions, are also affecting the other people in other people's lives. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I feel like- And I think like that, yeah. that was also like my, well, I don't know how detailed we wanna get, but like my favorite uh, part of the show thus far has been like Lexi's play uh, at the end of yes. season two that kind of articulates what you just said so well. And it's like, probably that that second to last that penultimate episode is probably one of my favorites of the entire series that one and the the one where rue is kind of like on the run it's like almost <laughs> like that's episode five right where she's been intervened where she has intervention in the morning and then and then she's intervened at lexi's house right mm -hmm. yeah that's like the rock bottom episode. Cause I mean, she literally goes to the person she literally owes like money to. And not only, not only before that, she robs like people of like thousands of dollars of jewelry and cash. Um, causes multiple car wrecks while playing Frogger in the streets on withdrawal. <laughs> and then she goes to the person who will seriously fuck her whole life over and sell her to the sex trade just to get any kind of like relief from her withdrawal or any hit. And the person's like, you know, I could probably, you're the only thing great about a woman is you can always sell your body. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, get the fuck out of here. And what's even scarier about that episode is how that woman is so calm. Like, I knew the moment I meet you, you would be in my life forever. Like there's just so much of that episode, not to steal your thunder, but there's so much of that episode that's just like so scary and freaky. Mm -hmm. Like that is literally like the dark side of it. I'm, that's one of the so many dark sides of the addiction is how 
at a certain point you become like a cabbie or a what's the thing in nightmare alley where oh uh a geek oh my gosh yes a geek you become a geek to others you become a serve a slave to others because you are so you know observant you're so dependent on you know on a drug or so dependent on a substance you become a serve a slave to other people who can take advantage of that that is horrifying <sighs> um and yes lexi has a play lexi first of all best character in the show i mean literally not even without a doubt i mean i love jules i love elliot um um but i mean lexi is literally the damn she is literally the audience surrogate and thank god she did that play because everyone because what's so great is all of the like shittiest people like cassie maddie nate they all get to just see how shitty they are and just like and get to just sit there and just and even cat everyone just gets to see how shitty they are and just get to live it and what's so great is cassie just goes up there and just like you think you've been so traumatized she has her joker moment yeah And, and to be fair to cassie i mean in season one um they do a whole like intro you know how the show does like an intro for everyone like a lot mm-hmm. of the characters like a whole prologue where they go through their whole life well in season one she does have like i think in episodes five or six um where she has a whole like prologue about like her dad and how her dad you know left her and how that traumatizing created that whole that hole inside of her of needing to feel love you know and that's why she you know is so open to men that's why she just kind of throws herself because she wants the affection of love mm-hmm. even if you know boys are really just you know just want to get in their pants basically and I find that this idea is so tragic. So watching the play, it's and watching Cassie have her Joker moments, both like, Cassie, you really are a terrible person. Or I don't want to even say terrible, because even like the stuff she does in season two, it's like, to be fair, you Maddie and Nate were broke up. Like, y'all, you're just caught up in a really twisted game and you just need to like stand up and do, it just beat the shit out of Maddie. Um, like no, I feel, but yeah, she while she's having her Joker moment, it's like I feel bad for her because like she's just the slut shaming continues even with her the fair, you know, the merry-go-round happening again being reenacted. First of all, Lexi's play is so. I did you have a theater program at your school? Yeah, like, I was amazed at how, like, well, one, like, the production value on it is amazing, but, like, and, like, I was, like, there's no way a school would approve this to be, like, (laughs) shown before people, like, but, like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for reals, like, what is going on here? Like, this is, also, how do they get the budget? How do they, like... (laughs) 
like how did they get the budget to do this like builds like sets like this like rotating sets lights you know i mean it's a full fucking broadway play in this high school play but that's kind of euphoria's whole thing though it's like it's this beautiful and romanticized look at high school but there's also drug addiction drug and sex addiction so you that kind of is part of it but it is like funny to be like hey wait a minute how do y'all have like the budget to do this also time is kind of a construct in euphoria so you don't even know where you're at in time like she pitches lexi pitches this play and like within a month or two it's like full regalia like two hour long like everyone's rehearsed I mean, Lexi and her friend, um, is it Bobby or the other girl? The one that was a stage manager? I don't know yes. her name. But uh, I loved, she was very funny. I liked how she was like so like soft-spoken. She would kind of whisper everything mm -hmm. she could say. Like, that was funny. Oh, man. And then like Lexi and Cassie's mom in the audience just like going crazy watching this. Like, oh my God. Like, I, I loved how she reacted to... Um, what was his face that uh, the guy that plays her who was Kat's ex-boyfriend uh, I can't remember the character's name uh, but he plays their mom like he plays multiple characters in the play Ethan yes Ethan <laughs> how she reacts to him and she's like and then like in the night in the finale when she goes up to the stage and she said and Ethan is gonna be a star like and, and like going on that like She's great too, as like uh, a mess, as much of a mess She's as a she drunk is. alcoholic mother. Yeah. Who may or may not have cheated on her husband before they divorced. Um, also, the parents in this are so shitty. Like, everyone has like the shittiest parents. Even the rich people have the shittiest parents. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's kind of the other thing I do love is this mirror, this kind of side plot with. Nate and his father Cal and how toxic masculinity um, you know kind of builds these walls that you know separate that in that keep in the emotions that bottle in the emotions if you will and you just see the destruction the mistakes that come with that that rot out of that I mean the reason why Nate is such a fucking psychopath is because his father can't like relate can't will not relate to his son's like other pansexual needs because that's the other thing nate is very it's not labeled in the show as pansexual but it's very pansexual like because of his attraction to jewels his attraction to uh men as well but also to, of course, Maddie and Cassie. So it's a very fluid sexuality. And, but also his father also has that same fluidity in sexuality as well. So it's a cause of like, you know, these two people should like get along, but because they have demonized like anything that's not heteronormative, they can't do it. They can't like just sit down and be like, you know, have a chill conversation about it you know and then he, i think in like episode six the mom has a fuck nate's mom has like a fucked up conversation about their dad i don't remember 
Like, I really kind of had to breeze through these episodes. Episode six of season two? Yes. Yeah, she has, I don't, I, I don't remember very many specifics about dialogue at all, but she she says something about their father, and then, like, she also, like, talks about Maddie and Cassie to him, like, kind of what her, kind of offers her thoughts on who he should pursue, etc. Um, then there's, like, a FBI shootout that's like what <laughs> and then we kill a we kill a uh like a 10 year old kid or i don't how old is do you think i think Astro he's like 12 is? or 13 but okay we, we kill a little teenager we kill a minor but yeah it's and it's so sad because ashray gets a little bit more to do in this season or he's like mm-hmm. more present and he has because of course uh Fez, you know, gets his own prologue where we go through his whole life, like in 10 minutes with his, you know, grandmother being a gangster, mm-hmm. you know, shooting, you know, you know, men and the, you know, knees and, you know, also there's, some, I should mention there's way more dick in this show. Like there is a surprising amount of nudity in the show, like even mm-hmm. for HBO. Okay, sorry. That was a side note. Um, but we see, like, you know, how Ashtray came into the fold, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, all of these kids have some fucked up, you know. And somehow Lexi, out of all of this, is just like, fuck it, I'm just going to write out my trauma and put mm-hmm. it on stage and be damned the school theater budget. We are going to have a production <laughs> about my shitty ass friends. And it's just like, uh, and we haven't really talked much about Rue. What do you think of the character of Rue? Um, I like her. Um, I hope they don't, like, I know uh, addiction is kind of cyclical in nature, but I hope she's like clean for good. I don't want them to kind of just keep repeating that same story. Like I understand, but I don't, I don't want to keep seeing her go through like the, like it's obviously heartbreaking to see, but like, it's also like, I don't know, almost unoriginal in a sense if they just like keep like hammering home, like, oh, she can't escape the cycle of addiction, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So I hope she's like clean for good. So that's um but i like her i feel really bad for her in terms of like all of the um like relationships she basically destroyed that day when she was on the run like she mm-hmm. her, she's never going to have the same relationship with her sister or her mother um or her jules relationship with jules it, yeah jules and elliot both of those are strained um seeing her hit rock bottom is just like tough to watch but it's it's so necessary to the theme of the show is that you gotta oh, yeah. hit rock bottom to rise again and then hit rock bottom again. So and that's kind of like why I wish season two this like this new this last episode was the series finale. Cause I feel like, yeah, we know that this is a very cyclical nature, but it's like I feel like the perfect ending for the show would be to fi- have Ruth finally like see herself 
and not hate herself. Yeah. And to finally see herself, you know, outside and not hate herself and in this like very powerful way and in her being clean. Like, you know, we know it's probably not going to last much longer um because a but i mean then again i mean fezco is presumably going to go to jail for the murder yeah of... which sucks because like they i felt like they made they like really beefed up this character this season and made him very interesting and one of the most compelling characters on the show like literally in the first episode of season two like they they gave so much depth to him and then, like, now he's off to prison where he's, like, who knows if he's going to get out by the time the show ends. So then it's like, okay, you just basically, you killed off his uh, brother, so to speak. And then now you're shipping him off to jail. So, like, he and Lexi can't have a happy ending or, like, that happy ending of mm-hmm. their love. And then, like, yeah, that, <laughs> so that kind of sucked. And- um Rue now really has no one to like guard her from Lori from the drug from the girl drug dealer so and she'll probably still come after her in season three so yeah generally I am kind of curious like I, I feel like the second season ends in a way where I like don't really know what Sam Levinson what direction Sam Levinson's gonna go for the third season like I just kind of felt like there's so much resolution to things that I was just kind of like, I, I don't really know what narrative threads are left for him to pull on, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. And to be fair to Levinson, I mean, maybe that's why he wanted to do a third season is to show now, show like that Rue finally has something to hold on to, to stay clean for, but she can't escape from her mistakes she has to resolve Mm -hmm. she has to not resolve or create craft a solution a resolution to her you know mistakes she has to kind of like you know come to terms you know kind of be judged for them you know those sort of things and maybe that's maybe season three will be the last season i don't know um i don't know like hbo is really happy with the show because it's like the second most watched show since game of thrones and like i don't know and yeah and what what, i don't know i kind of wish this was because there's so much resolution in this last episode and even more so like the characters, uh, like the funniest part about the show is after the play, after everyone has witnessed the play, they got their own resolution, they're happy with it. And then the people like the most unhappy are the shittiest people and they're in the bathroom, you know, wallowing in their, their own shittiness. You know, and even more so, Maddie is so, you know, fucked up in her own head that she's still like, I'm going to get revenge on Cassie, you know, and it's just like, here we go. Like one way or the other, the cycle just is gonna continue mm-hmm. as I do the cycling motion uh, for uh, for you listeners. But maybe that's the point, you know, addiction and breaking those cycles are much harder. And sometimes you, 
have to see that you have a problem. You have to have it pointed out to you in a, you know, in a very expensive high school play. Um, but maybe you just are not going to be receptive of the mess message. Um, what else is there? Oh, we should talk about the filmmaking. What did you, what about the filmmaking here? Did impress um, you? I touched, I touched on the cinematography. Um, honestly, I can't remember like much else about the filmmaking that really stood out to me. Okay. So personally, what I like about Levinson as a director for this show is that as a fil American filmmaker, he's doing, like, even if, like, the rumors are true that he shows up unprepared and doesn't have a shot list or storyboards and they have to waste hours mapping out the shot on set. I will say, though, as much as I don't want to, like, be positive towards, you know, long hours, I will say, though, I mean, the result is good. Like, the results look... Been, I mean, he's doing, like, a massive-scale character-centric drama. I mean, the last episode ends with Rue taking drugs, and then she falls visually down a hole to where she's, you know, crowd-surfing with all of these... with a choir. And then the choir all move in sync, you know, like, in a massive musical style. And that's how the ending of season one ends. Or that's how season one ends. And then, of course, you know, all the stuff for the play is elaborate. All the stuff with the FBI is elaborate. Like Sam Levinson, for what it's worth, is doing very highly stylized, very character-centric, almost auteur-driven storytelling on a massive scale and... HBO and A24, they're just funding it. Like, he's one of the, the few people that's getting to do it. And it's pretty good. Like, it's not, like, I, I don't have a problem with it. To be honest. That's why I'm, I'm still curious, like, why do people not like Sam? I'm kind of curious, why do you think people are so off, off on Sam Levinson? Well, if Malcolm and Marie is any indication, oh, uh, <laughs> oh so I should have really watched Malcolm and Marie. That movie felt like it was definitely like a stand-in for him, kind of like complaining about any like criticism levied against his work, and it feels like he's very like John David Washington's character was kind of like a stand-in for him. And it felt like it's, it kind of gave off the impression if that is what he intended um, when he wrote that movie, it gave off the impression that he's very full of himself and has a huge ego. Um, so if that is what he meant to do, then that's the impression I got from Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> Maybe so. I mean, it is weird to, for him to go from this low-budget assassination and assassination nation. To yeah, Euphoria. I watched that movie. I hated it. <laughs> I watched oh it before I saw Malcolm Marie. That and Malcolm Marie are like so. 
Oh man, they're they're pretty dreadful to watch. Um, it's it's amazing to me that I watched both of those, um, seeing how well Euphoria turned out, considering like those two movies are are a mess. Okay, so which is weird. Why would you have such a? You've only just done Euphoria. Like Euphoria is still the big thing you've done. Like that's that's such a weird thing for me to that's such a weird thing to like have an ego over. I mean, I, I I mean I guess the material is very personal to him, so maybe like any criticism of Euphoria and Assassination Nation is just gonna feel like a hit. But it's kind of a weird thing to leech on to, and then also I mean, dude, your movies are like this and euphoria and deep water both have like a real like a relationship that's deeply toxic you know and it's a never-ending cycle of toxicity so and then of course i mean i'm assuming malcolm and marie because they argue all the time it's also a toxic relationship so very i just i I would like to like have like Sam Levinson just be like interviewed and asked like, like what's your thing about toxic relationships because that's a theme in your show in your movie in your shows. So, but yeah, um, is there anything more to talk about Euphoria? I'm sure there is. I'm kind of like said all I can think about it. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm um it's a very stressful show to watch i do love that there is a transgender character and like she actually has agency in like a good role like it's not just you know and she's also like one of the nicest characters in the movie so or show excuse me so i i really love the character of jules it's fantastic um and i do love like the relationship that her rue and elliot did have before rue just like digged herself into a hole um but yeah i mean rue's got a lot of work to do and i hope i I hope rue does better but then again that's not the premise of the show that's not why people are so attracted to the show. So, um, yeah, it's a good show. It's just very stressful. Is Succession as, as stressful as this? Like, should I go ahead and start watching Succession right now so I can be ready for season four? Succession is like stressful to watch for different reasons. <laughs> God, <laughs> oh my God. I'm but Succession to... is like a million times better than Euphoria. <laughs> okay. That's a relief. That's a relief. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because I, 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 because because also Euphoria, uh, yeah. I'll take it. Um, all right. So, David, is there anything else on Sam Levinson, Euphoria? Deepwater or the Oscars you want to mention? No, I'm kind of, I'm tapping out. I'm 
I'm all out of <laughs> it's fine. anything dad. It's fine. All right. So with that, um, first of all, this is two, episode 250. Um, we try to be, or we try to be ambitious and talk about these like big things and try and go over the Sam Levinson of it all. Um, but first of all, I have to thank you all so much for uh, just listening on the show. And then not only do I have to, uh, not only should, uh, I thank you, David, for being on for like the last year or two of this show. Um, uh, thank you. And thank you to all the other hosts, um, guest hosts we've had. I can't name you all or we'll be here uh, all night. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you all so much for being on the show. And then most importantly, thank you, the listeners. If you have stuck around since 2015, listening to all these shows and the retrospectives and anything else youth critic related, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. I hope, um, I hope one day we get to 500, but we'll just make our goal to 300 for now we'll we'll just do 300 for we'll get to 300 and see how we feel uh thank you thank you all so 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 much um before we go david um i forgot to mention earlier do you have a blog yes and i'm almost done with my uh best of 2020 and 2021 uh post i was actually working on it right before i jumped on the call um, I was going to have it, I would, my goal was to have it out right before the Oscars, but uh, I ended up having a busy weekend last weekend, so I didn't quite finish it, uh, but I'm close to finishing. Uh, I should have it out in the next few days. So there, yeah, I'm finally writing yes. something and putting it out there. Um, I don't know what my next post will be. Uh, I feel like it's kind of late to review the Batman, so that's <laughs> you could do Morbius. Oh, <laughs> I, I have zero interest in seeing that right now. Hell yeah, no. Um no. And yeah, just gonna go ahead and lay it out there. We are not gonna do uh if we do Morbius, it's gonna be much, much later. We will review we'll find something else we're gonna review. Um but yes, go sorry, David. So yeah, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at wisezoneerscoredavid, um, and film assessment is the name of my blog, and I have handles for that as well. All right, and um, I will put all those handles and blog links in the bottom of the or the description of the podcast. So look down below. Please check them out. Uh, please follow us on Twitter and. Um, and uh, read David's blog. Uh, thank you all so much. Um, you can find me on Twitter, of course, at MovieKale uh, for all info and stuff on, you know, youth critic related. Um, I don't know exactly what we'll review. We are kind of sort of behind. We never got a chance to do The Lost City. Um, Moon Knight just started, but we're not going to review it till May. Um, and we're still like a week or two away from like everything everywhere all at once. And then um, ambulance 
we may or may not also do Sonic. We'll just see when we get to it. Um, but yeah, we're there, but April's going to be a busy month, so I'm sure we got something we can talk about. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back with y'all next week. If anyone ever tried to hurt you, I'd kill them. You're like the sweetest guy ever. Most people, they're all just lost. It made me feel like you weren't proud to be my boyfriend. Give me, give me symphonies. Give me more than the light. Oh, you look different. What? You look different. I changed. I'm not saying I'm in love. I'm just saying I really, really like him. Every time I feel good, I think it'll last forever. But it doesn't. Nothing in high school lasts forever. You should meet her.